This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Hey movie addicts, welcome to Cinema Fix, your start for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I'm Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer, Monica Castillo. Hello, Andrew. How are you doing, Monica? I'm so ready to talk about a ton of movies in this episode. It's a little different. A little bit different, yes. We are doing things a little bit differently today, but I think I'm going to be able to handle it because I'm using more than 10% of my brain. Well, should I be worried you're going to disappear into Million Molecules? No, I'm using a, a, a grand total of 11% of my brain today. Ah, so, okay. Yeah. As long as you only go to 11. <laughs> as always, people can subscribe to the show on iTunes and email us at cinemafix at filmgeekvideo.com. You can also call and leave us a voicemail at 336-793-2509. We'd love to hear from you. This is episode number 81 of Cinema Fix, and if you're new to the show, basically this is the program on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about the movies, and each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to right now, is a 10-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get an idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to check out. And the second part is a much more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers. So if you've seen the film and you'd appreciate that type of discussion about what works and what doesn't, definitely listen to part two. This week, uh, as you mentioned, Monica, we are doing something a little bit different. In part one, we're going to be talking about uh, a couple of movies. We're going to be talking about Calvary, Lucy, and Guardians of the Galaxy. And then in part two, we'll be diving really in-depth with a special guest for a spoiler-filled debate about uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. But uh, for part one, we're going to talk about a, a few other films. So let's let's just start with uh, the movie that maybe not as many people have seen, and that is the movie Calvary. Monica, what, what's the official IMDb synopsis <laughs> of Calvary? I'm cheating here. But it's directed by John McDonough, and it follows the story of a priest played by Brendan Gleeson. Uh, after he's threatened... In a anonymous confession, he must then battle the dark forces closing in around him. Wow, that sounds almost supernatural. Supernatural, <laughs> supernatural movie. <laughs> no, this is a, a drama slash dark comedy. Dealing with fate. So yeah, you've got Brendan Gleeson playing this uh, this priest, and he's in this small community in Ireland, and he's just getting to know the locals and dealing with all of their issues. And one of them, we're not sure who wants to kill him. He really has a problem with priests. Yes. Monica, what did you think of this film? I thought it was incredible. Uh, If Gleason doesn't get some sort of acting noms, I'll be very disappointed. I was really taken with his performance uh, because he has to deal with his own inner demons as well as the fact that the town folk don't really, you know, take kindly to him as an outsider. So it's both internal and external forces. Um, supporting cast is all great. Chris O'Dowd has a great performance in this as well. Very uncomedic-like, um, but still lighthearted to give you a couple laughs here and there. I was just amazed by how much I was stunned by the end of this film. Yeah, this could be my favorite film of the year, Monica, which is why I wanted to be sure to talk about it on the show, even though it's not really a mainstream film. Might be on my, like, certainly my top 20 or so. If not higher. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's really, really good, and it's 
open in select cities, and I, I'm hoping it's going to, you know, start to gather a following and, and hopefully spread to, to more cities. I'll open in VOD and things like that. I think that will certainly help. And I, I just really love this movie, and I don't know, it, maybe it's because of my own background, because I, I was raised in a really religious household, but I think that this film presents one of the more nuanced views of faith Yes. that I've seen in, in quite some time. It's very easy, I think, for movies to just kind of take religion and just kind of depict it in very broad strokes as either, yeah, religion is great, or no, religion is terrible. Yes. And uh, and this movie, I think, does a good job of, of presenting a multitude of viewpoints as to, well, yeah, religion can be really helpful to a lot of people and, and does serve a valuable purpose in society, but what do you do when the modern church is so messed up? In a lot of ways. Or what do you do with someone who has been really hurt by religion? Right. And how, how does that factor into your own personal beliefs? Right. And, and, and in some ways, it struck me as a very mournful film. Well, it's not the feel-good movie of the summer. Not really, <laughs> even though it is, you know there are some darkly comedic beats in it. Yeah, it's a very dark comedy, but it's certainly not a cuddly, feel-good movie. Everyone, you know, just sings hymns at the end of the movie. It struck me as the like like John Michael McDonough. He I, I feel like he has some conflicted views about religion, and he's sort of sad about the state of things. Like he kind of feels like man, the core of faith can be can be great and it can really heal people and it can be a force for good in the world. But the modern church has been so plagued by scandal and and historically has been involved in so many terrible things that you know how can people come to really understand and and receive the beneficial aspects of faith when there's just so much bad stuff associated with it. And it, it seems like he's just kind of grappling with that, like, man, how can, how can religion and, and faith sort of evolve past where it is now and get back to kind of helping people? See, again? and I was looking at it more about the human side of religion, how it's corruptible oh, and definitely. how it's not perfect. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yet in Brendan Gleeson's character, uh, Father James, you get, you know, this is a guy, he's a good priest. Yeah. He's a, he's a good person. And, and that's actually why this guy wants to kill him, actually, because he's so good. Um, and, and just the title Calvary, you know, it's all about that whole Christian idea of, of grace and the idea of a good person being sacrificed for the sins of others. And in many ways, what Father James goes through in the film is a clear parallel with the, with the journey of Christ. And uh, the final scene just kind of blew me away with how it mirrors the f opening scene. Yeah. Uh, oddly enough, and, and it, I just feel like this this movie is really hitting on some really important ideas about the state of the church, and both critiquing it, but also acknowledging that in some ways we need it. Mm, worth the check out. Absolutely, absolutely. One of my favorite films of the year. It could be at the top of my list at the end of 2014. At least it doesn't go to uh, the purge anarchy. We, you know, we were going to talk about the Purge Anarchy, Monica. Did you see the Purge Anarchy? I didn't. Sorry. That's also another great film that people should go check out. <laughs> <laughs> go read my review on Movie Mezzanine. <laughs> I really, really liked the Purge Anarchy. 
Oh, man. You just can't help it. Okay, well, let's talk about a- another movie that has done surprisingly well this summer, and I feel like a lot of people have been talking about, and that is Lucy, the new film directed by Luc Besson. This is uh, the film starring Scarlett Johansson. She plays a, a woman in, uh, I believe it's Taiwan, I want to say, and uh, she uh, basically gets involved in this Asian drug smuggling operation, and they uh, sow some drugs inside of her, and she's supposed to smuggle them into the UK, but it's, it's this new special type of drug, and the packet bursts open inside her, and it slips into her bloodstream, and next thing we know, she's suddenly no longer using only 10% of her brain, she's using more and more of her brain, and it's giving her all of these powers, and People are trying to figure out what's going on, and gangsters are trying to stop her, and meanwhile, she's just getting smarter and smarter. She's an X-Men on drugs. Basically. What did you think of Lucy, Monica? Because I feel like this movie's gotten quite the mixed response. There are people out there that really liked it, and there are also a lot of people out there that just absolutely hate it. I know, it. haters. Um, no, I really enjoyed it. I like my sci-fi, and I really like the kick that ScarJo's on between this and Under the Skin. Yeah. Yeah. So we finally found something for her that <laughs> she gets to destroy all men. I'm okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's a funky, weird concept. And Luke Rasson brings his his little weird additions here and there. And it's an it's I don't know. I thought it was very simplistic, and that it explained all of this quote unquote science because it's all pseudoscience um, behind it or so. I think that also made it accessible enough for most people to then kind of like jump into this world where you have Morgan Freeman sort of simultaneously explaining, hey, and at 11%, we could probably do this. And if we get up to 15 and 20%, we could probably do like echolocation and all those kind of things. Yeah. Here's the thing, Monica. This movie is dumb. This it's, is a big, it's a lie. loud, <laughs> dumb movie. This is a really stupid movie. And yet I really liked it. I was wondering where you were going. Like, I feel like I should not like this film because a lot of the same criticisms I have of the next movie we're going to discuss, you could say the same exact thing about Lucy. Uh, You know, the characters are pretty simplistic. There isn't much of a villain. Uh, And honestly, you've got ScarJo developing all of these superpowers. There really aren't any stakes because (laughs) she can pretty much do anything. So you, you never really feel like she's actually in danger once this drug starts entering her system. Until she gets eaten by the Matrix, obviously. It's so, like, light and breezy, and the maybe it's the fact that it's only, like, 80 minutes long. Just wonderful. Yeah, it's just, it's in and out, and Luc Besson, I think, has a really cool visual style yes. that he uh, in- incorporates in this film. He, ha- he does some cool little editing tricks in the first act, and then he, he really knows where to place the camera for some cool moments later on when you have all of these these set pieces with ScarJo just doing crazy stuff. Yeah. And as a result, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a dumb movie, but I had fun. It was so much fun. I'm never going to see this movie again. Lie. If it's on FX, you probably leave it. Maybe, maybe. Okay. But, but you know, when it comes to, you know, for, for a movie about someone whose brain is just uh, getting bigger and bigger and she's becoming smarter and smarter... 
It's not a bigger brain. This doesn't like turn into some weird cartoon thing. It just, she uses more of it in theory. Right. And ironically, I feel like people are going to enjoy this movie more if they use less of their brains while they're watching it. Like it's, it's, it's just a turn off your brain popcorn film. And if you go in expecting that, I think you'll enjoy it. But compare that to some of the other big blockbusters, like the latest Transformers that none of us have seen. <laughs> I'd rather I, the lesser of two evils, if you will. Well, again, it's it's breezy. Yeah. Again, it's short. It's eighty minutes. Yeah. You know, I, I think I think if this movie ran ten minutes longer or half a, half an hour longer, I think a lot of its flaws would feel much more egregious. Mm-hmm. But because it's just so short and it's your in and out and it's this fun little romp, I, I, I was able to forgive a lot of its flaws and just kind of go along for the ride. Okay. That's good to hear that you are capable of doing such things. I am capable of it. <laughs> it is not impossible. <laughs> I just have to check sometimes. All right. Well, the last movie we're going to talk about is Guardians of the Galaxy. And we're going to be having a, a, a much longer spoiler-filled discussion about Guardians of the Galaxy in part two. But overall, Monica, what did you think of this film? Uh, this is the latest entry in Marvel's phase two of their big uh, mythology that they keep unrolling. This is the weird one of the budge. And they went with the weird director, so I guess it worked. I liked it. I thought it was interesting. I had no concept of the characters. I had no expectations. I did not really care for James Gunn's previous super. And then... I ended up really liking it. It's Yeah, I, the big, biggest complaint that I've seen out there is probably that this is a reboot of The Avengers. I can completely see that, but I also really like The Avengers. But I feel that Whedon's story had a little bit different uh, tone and feel to it than The Guardians did. Yeah, this is uh, directed by James Gunn, and it's not set on Earth. It is set out in space with this group of misfits. You've got uh, Chris Pratt playing our our hero, (laughs) Star-Lord the Outlaw. Uh, You've got uh, Zoe Saldana playing Gamora, who is the adopted daughter of Thanos, who, if you've been keeping up with the Marvel movies, is going to be a big bad later down the road. Uh, you've got uh, Bradley Cooper voicing Rocket Raccoon, who's a raccoon that's been genetically modified so he can talk and really likes weapons. And uh, you've got Dave Bautista, the wrestler, playing Drax, who's this alien guy who's out for revenge for the death of his family. And you've got Vin Diesel voicing a talking tree named Groot. Groot. And it's just this ragtag team of heroes. I will say this, Monica. It is better than Thor The Dark World. Okay. That said, it is not a good film. I could have used Loki in this one, but I'm biased. This is continuing Marvel's streak of just producing really, really bad, convoluted films as part of uh, Phase 2, with the exception of Winter Soldier. Convoluted? Well, shoot, I have to see Winter Soldier still, but how is this convoluted? Like, it seems pretty, pretty basic. Convoluted in the sense that... Maybe that they're introducing all new characters? Well, I feel like there's... Well, we'll talk about this more in part two, but I feel like there are a lot of elements of this world and this mythology that the script just kind of touches on in, like, one or two lines of dialogue and then just moves on. And it's stuff that's actually pretty integral to the plot. 
but it just kind of glosses over them. And I'm just like, no, wait, go back. Tell me more about that stuff. That's important. I want to know what a Kree is and what a Xanadarian is, since they're apparently involved in this big intergalactic conflict. You know, stuff like that. That the I movie just completely pretty, again. I I thought it was pretty simple. They have a blood feud between the two of them, and now this peace treaty is gonna go nowhere, and one of them's gonna violate that and destroy the other planet. Uh, Israel Gaza conflict, whatever you know. <laughs> oh, sure. But, but they imply there's there's all this history to it, and I, I'm still wondering what the difference is between a sanitarian and a human, other than the, the, the hair pieces. And, um, and that some of them are pink and yellow. I guess. And they're yeah. not it, it, on Earth. The, and the, the characters, the, the people in this team, the actual Guardians of the Galaxy, they're so simplistic, Monica. These are not characters. They are cardboard and as a result, I was really not able to get invested in any of them. So when they come together as this team, I, I just, it really didn't do much for me. The villain is completely forgettable. Agree, which is a shame. It's a shame because Lee Pace is amazing. Right. And it, it, I mean, in that respect, it is just like Thor The Dark World, where the entire plot revolves around this super powerful MacGuffin that I really don't care about. And the villain is boring, and it's just, it's, like, James Gunn, to his credit, does manage to inject some personality into the film, which is why I think it's it's not nearly as boring as Thor The Dark World. I have to but remember. it's was, still, that's that's not enough. Does uh, Iron Man ever make any really, like, raunchy jokes? I think, po- you know, he's, he has, there's some couple in a couple the in The black like one, like, actually caught me off guard. I was like, whoa, Disney, who let that? <laughs> there's some raunchier humor in Guardians of the Galaxy, but at the same time, I feel like it wants to be more. Like, I feel like if this was R, James Gunn would just have a field day. Um, but he can't <laughs> quite, afraid <laughs> he can't quite fully let loose because this is a PG-13 movie. And yeah, people are saying, oh, this is a big risk for Marvel. It's in space, and there's all of these weird characters. I feel like this is the safest version of this story we could get. Probably, yeah. When it comes to James Gunn's direction, yeah, he injects some pretty good comic relief. But but I the first two-thirds of this film, Monica, are so ugly. Like, I hated the visual style of this movie mm. overall. I thought it felt ugly and cheap and just completely perfunctory. And I'm sorry, a few good jokes do not a good film make. So, no, I overall, I'm not a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy. Damn, I liked it a lot more than you did. I I was even okay with it. I, w- I don't think I would say I love it. It's not in my top Marvel movies of all time or anything like that, but I had fun. It caught me by surprise on how much I enjoyed it. That's fair. And uh, shout out to Karen Gillian as well as uh, Nebula. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I think there's stuff to enjoy in it. It's not a, It's not a total failure, but I also don't think it's particularly good. No party poop. I'm sure we'll get into it more in part two. Yeah. I have a feeling uh, you and our guest will be uh, teaming up against me in our debate <laughs> about the merits of Guardians of the Galaxy. We're team, team the collector. Yeah, people will have to tune into part two uh, for that. So yeah, I would say overall, uh, go see Calvary, absolutely. Uh, go see Lucy if you can turn your brain off and maybe catch Guardians of the Galaxy on Netflix or something. If you can turn your brain off, please. Yeah, or just avoid Gardens of the Galaxy, honestly. You're really angry at this movie, aren't you? I'm angry at Phase 2 as a whole. Yeah, I I feel some hostility from you. 
Like, I feel like Marvel is just kind of spinning their wheels and getting us all to spend money on Phase 2, when really, they could just skip straight to Phase 3, have Thanos collect all of these Infinity Stone MacGuffins in a 15-minute montage, and just get on with it. That's that's kind of where I am now. I'm just kind of like, just get on with it. We know where this is headed. Just do it. But anyways... Uh, that'll wrap it up for part one of our episode on Guardians of the Galaxy and, and Lucy and Calvary here on CinemaFix. Don't forget to tune into part two for a much more in-depth conversation about Guardians of the Galaxy. And don't forget to tune in next time when we'll be discussing something. Or another. Not sure what yet. There, there's got to be something good coming out in August, right? Something. We'll just discuss, like, eight films. Good Maybe. deal. All right. Well, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to us through iTunes. So if you liked this episode, please write a review. That would really help us out a lot. And uh, if you really like the show, you can donate to us through the website. We really appreciate your help. And don't forget to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including The Tupperware Party, our weekly podcast all about the HBO series The Leftovers. Monica, where can people find you online? People can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at mcastimovies. That's M-C-A-S-T-I movies. And you can find me co-hosting uh, the Tupperware Party at filmgeekradio.com, and you can find some of my film reviews at moviemezzanine.com. You can also follow me on Twitter and Letterboxd at writerandrew. And if you do follow me, be sure to send me a message and let me know you're a listener so we can keep talking about this summer's slate of movies. That'll wrap it up for this episode. I'm Andrew Johnson. I'm Monica Castillo. And have fun this week getting high on cinema and using as much of your brain as possible. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!